0: Assalamu Alaikum. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Muslim Point of View Podcast. We have an important, huge guest for us, homie from way back, Mr. Nasa Karimian, or should we say Dr. Nasa Karimian, in the house today with us. Uh, welcome, welcome, Nas. Welcome to the Muslim Point of View Podcast. Asalaamu
1: alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. for having me, I really appreciate it.
0: Awesome, awesome stuff. So, Nas, uh, before we start, let us just maybe learn a little bit more about yourself. Maybe if you can just give us a quick two minute intro of who you are, what you've been doing overall, just for the audience to kind of learn a little bit more about you. Fantastic. So, Bismillah,
1: uh, Alhamdulillah,
0: So, what I live in Montreal. I
1: grew up around these guys. I knew them since they were little kids, uh, Alhamdulillah. And um, eventually, I uh, after studying, Islamic studies for a while, I decided to continue my studies um, outside of the country. So I left in 2013, and I did an Arabic intensive, and I joined at uh, Qalam Institute, and I studied over there. Then I went to Malaysia, finished my PhD over there in uh, Islamic studies and comparative religion. And so, um, yeah, after completing my, um, you know, uh, education, I, I moved on to... I moved back to the US. I lived in Columbus for a while, then I moved into Vegas. I was an Imam over there in Las Vegas for about two years, for two years. Then I got a position in Indiana where I am currently, and I became the Imam here. It was during COVID time, which was weird because now you're the leader of a community, but you're not allowed to congregate. But anyway, that's a whole, uh, but anyway, uh, with time, we were finally able to be a normal community again. Built a huge project. It was a $9 million masjid, alhamdulillah. It was a big, that's the biggest one in Indiana. And uh, I was very happy to uh, be, I guess you could say, the new face or new voice of that community. And Alhamdulillah, it's been a great community, honestly. Um, the leadership, I'm very happy with them. Um, they uh, very much are supportive of my ideas and my the direction I take things in, Alhamdulillah. And yeah, I've been in this position for three years, going on to four years now. Yeah, I think I'm getting close to the four-year mark. Um, Alhamdulillah. And so I'm pretty deep into this community. Uh, I got my... Kids in the
0: Islamic school here. Um, it's a great community. Yeah, I guess that's it. That's awesome, man. Well, that's it. Honestly, it's been uh, it's been a long journey. I know I've been uh, one of those witnesses, or you know, these guys from from afar, kind of watching in and seeing you grow. Inshallah, exactly. it's uh, it really is a sight to behold, and we're we're honestly very proud of you. I mean, to say the least. I know we're brothers, so we say this to each other very uh, nonchalantly, but. We, we really do mean it um you know no, i know i
1: mean i mean I'm, I'm, you guys are like brothers to me i mean we grew up together so uh, i'm always gonna have i'm always gonna have that connection with you and it's always nice to go back to montreal specifically because you guys don't you guys know me as me just the person you know what i mean oh, and exactly. so there's that in my community um you know i'm the imam the sheikh you know it's like it's a, yeah. it's, a it's a very particular role it's a very particular personality and it's not like any other position where you can take off, let's say, the doctor's coat or you can take off the, you know what I mean? So, you can't, there's no yeah. taking off. It's just that's who you are always. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's, it's it's nice to come back to Montreal to see you guys. It's nice to see the community has grown. It's also nice to see um, you guys becoming the new leadership and taking on your own initiatives. I, I know some new things going on over Montreal that I'm quite happy about. But ultimately, it's the nicest thing is to just be around people that remember me as just who I was growing up.
0: Yeah, 100%. It's always nice to have that. No doubt about it. Um, so, as the Imam of the mosque ah. right now, um, so you said you're you're out now in in Nevada, right? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. No, no, no. I I, fin- I was in uh, Las, Las Vegas, Nevada for two years now. I'm in
1: Indiana, so I'm Indiana. in al okay. in Alhuda Masjid. It's in Fishers, Indiana, which is like Fishers, Indiana. is the main city. Go about half an hour north, you got Fishers.
0: Okay. Cool. Okay. Okay. Very nice. Okay. So it's a pretty central area, I guess. Fisher's Indiana is not too far from like the main the main city, right? Okay, yeah, like like
1: about half an hour away, but you, it's
0: nicer to be in a
1: more you could say well-to-do upscale neighborhoods, more suburbia as opposed to living gotcha. in downtown. So, him got
0: happy. Okay. Okay. Cool. Legit. Legit. And so, what are some of the issues that you're finding within your community overall? Like, if you can just say top three <laughs> issues overall that you find your community is facing. I know like issues tend to evolve over time, and some of them are getting exacerbated, of course, with just the you know just the situation overall like environmental factors and just the way life is going overall um what are three main things that you think are really impacting your community you know more more so from a sense like you're the imam you feel like a responsibility at like you know trying to trying to maybe direct it to the better the better path the main things that
1: i try to focus on i mean there's a bunch and so i'll probably leave some things out but um Okay, well, obviously, everyone wants to talk about the youth, the youth, the youth, right? They always want to say, oh, our kids, our kids, we want to make them strong. So um, one of the things that I try to do that I think is a bit unique um, is that I very much try to regularly address controversial topics. And the reason is because I think a lot of imams play it safe, and they know that they can stick to safe topics like, you know, make sure you pray, make sure you have good character, make sure you're a good person, uh, you're charitable, you know, these are, there's nothing wrong with these topics. And of course, obviously, I'm going to give reminders like that, you know, you know, uh, with time. But I don't try to just play it safe all the time. I'd rather say, look, I know there's something lurking in the back of your mind that you never like to talk about. And that's probably the reason why you never talk about your Islam or expose your Islam to non-Muslims. You don't want to give dawah because you feel like, oh, what if they bring up that thing that I'm, you know, super afraid of, right? So if I can systematically, one by one, go through these controversies and let you know how to tackle them and not only not be ashamed of it, but actually be proud of it, and they feel like, no, this is I, this is nothing to be ashamed of. I'm, I'm happy to talk about this subject. If if I can successfully do that, then, uh, alhamdulillah, I am making someone confident in their deen. They want to practice their deen. They want to share their deen. So whether it be the youth or the adults, what you often find is that the youth, the parents are saying, we need this for the youth. And then they actually need it for themselves. Um, and so uh, that's one big one. Um, and the next one I would say, if you want to say three, okay. Uh, the second one would probably be the situation in Palestine right now. Everybody is feeling like, what can we do uh, here in this part of the world? And my answer is, well, quite a bit, given the fact that all the funding is coming from one country, and we just so happen to be in it. There's a lot of countries in this world, roughly 200 or something, and uh, and so if we are in the one country that is actually funding this, how can we educate the people, the average voter? Uh, a number one about us and I'm trying to give them down. Well, hopefully they convert if they don't convert. Well, at least you don't have to support a genocide. At least you can say, you know what? This seems wrong. And I don't want my money going to this. In fact, just as a pure patriotic American, why not have uh, our own tax money going to us? Why should we fund yeah. it for something overseas? Even if something overseas is good, you know, what about good over here, right? We deserve it, right? It's our money. Number one. And number two, it's not good. It's terrible. So why would we be sending our money there? So I feel like that's another thing that, I try to focus on quite a bit. Uh, what do you say? Number three, uh, number three. I'll just the first thing that comes to mind right now is um, keeping families together. I'll say that uh, dealing with um, it being an intermediary between couples that are having issues uh, as an imam, you get put in these positions often. You hear the wife's side of the story, you hear the husband's side of the story, and you want to make sure families are together. So this goes kind of goes back to the whole controversy, controversy issue of not being shy to delve into things that are going to make people uncomfortable, but it's like, look, we have to talk about it because you guys have this lurking in the back of your mind and you just won't be honest with your wife or with your husband. You get, you guys need to start talking. And so sometimes these things need to be addressed in detail. Yeah. What, are the,
2: what are the main controversial topics? Because uh, that was your main point, is you address controversial topics. That's what you like to do. Besides this, you know, the so, issues between the spouses, what else? Yeah.
1: Okay, so um, I, 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 my main job is Imam, right? I have a side position as a, it's not a full-time teacher, but like a side teaching position at Eman School, which is our main, uh, um, which is our high school. And this is one of the reasons why a lot of people come to uh, our area and live here, because they see there's a big Muslim population, they have a big, beautiful masjid, and they have a high school that goes from, or a school that goes from pre-K to grade 12. So it's the whole, yeah, it's the whole, most schools, you know, maybe they'll go to grade 8 or whatever. No, we go from pre-K to grade 12. So that's a really big deal, alhamdulillah. And it's a good school. The kids that graduate, they do well. They go to university. They get good grades. Uh, and they also significantly know more than their peers that have gone to public high schools, specifically regarding Islam. They know their Islam better, alhamdulillah. So it is significant. It could, We could we could still make a lot of improvements, but it is significantly better. Um, I, When I joined, I said, okay, I'm going to teach these kids all the things that I wish I knew when I was in high school. And specifically, like you asked, the, the controversies. And so what are the ones that I deal with? Number one, I spend the first two months with these youth Uh, talking about atheism. And I break down all of the arguments um, that, by the way, anybody interested, you can go to my YouTube channel and you go onto playlists. And I have about, I can't remember if it's like 14 or 15 videos on atheism. That's what I kind of go through. I go through that as a curriculum. So I go lecture after lecture. It's like, okay, what is the cosmological argument? What is the teleological argument? What is the transcendental argument? Most people have no idea what this stuff is. And so you have to be able to put it in simple words and then realize that uh, not only are these very convincing, but they go very deep. You can study it for your whole life if you want to. In each one of these arguments, and so number one, I want to make sure foundationally they know that God is real. <laughs> they have to be able to prove that. They don't want to. I don't want them to walk away from this bubble of Islam in high school and then go into you know college, and now they're in this hostile environment. People are like, I don't know where your God is. Where's your God? Prove me your your God exists. And they're like, I don't know what to say. So I need to make sure about two months we spend on that. Then another two months we spend on the Bible, specifically how to. Analyze Christianity and how to give dialogue to Christians, how to demonstrate that this is a book that actually points us towards Islam and not towards Christianity. Uh, so we spent about two months on that. And again, if you go on my YouTube channel, I have a playlist called Christianity, and there's about 40 videos there. So I, I tried to deal with this quite thoroughly. And this stuff comes in handy because we live in a very Christian state. There's churches everywhere. This is Indiana. It's a very red state. They always vote Republican. They're very, very pro-gun, pro-Christian, all that stuff. Um, so uh and then just side say, note, how, how old are these kids by the way, that you
2: deal with because you said iman school has... 16 17
1: 16 okay. 17 so like yeah i 11, I, 11, I, don't deal I don't i i made a deal with them with the uh with the administration i'm like i'm not going to be talking to like you know 12 year olds you know nine year
0: olds right but they're and almost is, like adults literally. yeah
1: exactly right they are i mean when you're 16 17 yeah. years old you are you've definitely gone through puberty and now you are uh moving you're planning on going into college and so yeah the idea is that look you guys are getting older you're thinking about marriage and that's the third topic Uh, I deal with, uh, the third topic is gender issues, um, which has to do with uh, not only how to answer the doubts about LGBTQ, you know, whether it be gays, whether it be trans, uh, but then in addition to that, what does it mean to be masculine? What does it mean to be feminine? And how are you going to seek out the right spouse? Uh, How not only are you going to get the right person to marry, but also how to keep that individual? These are two different subtopics and very, very important. And I think to be perfectly honest with you i don't know that most people talk about these things to youth at all and i keep reiterating to them i said these are all the things i'm telling you that i wish i knew when i was you know 16 17 18 becoming an adult i wish i knew how to establish the evidence for god i wish i knew how to deal with the old testament the new testament i had some familiarity i mean we're in the west they're we're surrounded by christians we should know and i wish i knew how to navigate masculinity femininity how to understand uh, men versus women, the differences. I feel like I was cheated. I was raised on a, a you know a feminist doc- indoctrination that told me men and women are the same in every way. And then as you get older and you get married, you realize we're totally not the same at all. And, <laughs> and actually, it's it's a huge disservice. Women hate it. Men hate it. Nobody likes to 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 be thought of that we're the exact same. You know, if you treat a woman like a man, she won't like it. If you treat a man like a woman, he won't like it. It's just so obvious. And so all this indoctrination is really a disservice. And it's like, no, let's actually read. Books about gender. Let's actually study these topics and see the, the, what the specialists say about, you know, the difference in the way men and women speak and argue the way, what they look for in a spouse. You know, these are huge topics that, that kids don't know.
2: So you said atheism, two months, the Bible, two months, and then the gender
1: role. How long do you stay on that? Shoot. Um, yeah, I'd probably say roughly around the same amount. And then after that, we go into just general controversies like sectarianism and uh, and other just random things. It's kind of it's, – it's a little less um, – the last time, I, last year I did it, it was a little less formal. I kind of, you know, grabbed random uh, controversial topics. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's say roughly two months, maybe less, maybe a month and a half, something like that.
2: Are, are you seeing that uh, some of those, like between the three topics, are there, is there one in particular that's perhaps you need to spend more time moving forward because it's becoming a, a larger issue? So, for example, maybe spend less time on the Bible because people are ditching the Bible more and more and spend more time <laughs> on atheism in general.
1: I can understand why you guys from Montreal would say that, uh, because uh, I understand. I know, yeah, East Coast, right? Um, uh, religion is really not. You guys, I don't even know if you guys deal with interfaith. We have churches everywhere around us. We are surrounded by these people. We have great yeah. interfaith meetings with these people. We deal with the Bible a lot. So, and we have, we like, for example, let me, let me, let me, let me make it really clear. When these kids graduate from the Eman school from high school, right, and then they go on to university. In the universities around here, whether it's Purdue or IUPUI or whatever the case is, whatever university they go to, they get confronted by the Christian groups often. You get my point? Like imagine trying to walk from class to class and you have these people doing their preaching, right? And you have multiple groups. You got the Catholics over here, you got the LDS, you know, Latter-day Saints over there, or you have the, you know, the, the Protestants over here, the evangelicals, whatever the case is, right? You have all these different groups and they're all giving their dava. Meanwhile, when I first arrived, The Muslims weren't giving giving da'wah at the university at all. and Alhamdulillah, that's something that I was able to uh, connect to the youth there and talk about how um, we should feel a sense of shame that we are not uh, uh, giving da'wah more on campus. I mean, I'm I'm like, because I'm from Montreal, and I'm like, yo, in the university that I went to, uh, uh, Concordia, uh, and even in McGill, MSA was the biggest group there was, right? I remember somebody telling me that MSA was bigger than all the other groups combined. <laughs> I was, alhamdulillah, in downtown Montreal, it's just a flood of Muslims. I remember when I gave the khutbah in Concordia, it was the biggest group I'd ever, it was the biggest lecture I'd ever given to that, To the, in that point in time. It was just a gigantic room of, I don't know, over a thousand people. I was like, this is insane. So that's what you guys are used to. I, I, and so imagine me being from that environment and then coming to, you know, the Midwest. And then seeing that the Christians are dominating and the Muslims are really weak to the point that they don't even have da'wah tables. Now, alhamdulillah, they have weekly da'wah tables. Alhamdulillah, I was able to train mm-hmm. these guys and, and, and build them up. And they're regularly um, having discussions with uh, pastors nice. and so on and so forth. And they're giving da'wah. And we get shahadas, alhamdulillah. Um, you know, we have people coming on a every week, two weeks, whatever the case is, coming to our masjid and taking shahada. In fact, recently, sorry, quick quick tangent. <laughs> recently, some brothers said, hey, have you seen the video I sent you? I said, no, I didn't check my video. I said, you, I, you check my video. So they sent me a clip that somebody took me doing a, 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 a sister, taking her shahada, and it was Iraq. They, they sent it. For some reason, it got really big on Irapi, uh, some, 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 some Instagram channel or TikTok or whatever it is, right? <laughs> and anyway, they were telling me, look at all the hate in the comments. and It was really quite funny. But uh, apparently this thing got really big and uh, they were like, oh, look at the imam, He's so happy that this sister, she's embracing Islam, whatever. I thought it was very positive. But he's like, no, look at them. they're upset. And I don't know. It was funny. It was so the Iraqis are hating on you <laughs> because because when she did the shahada, she did the shahada la ilaha illallah, and there was no mention of Ali, and okay. so they have a different shahada, right? So apparently the comments are full of like, this is a this is a battle. Uh, uh, this is a, what's it called nonsense. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> anyway, they thought it was hilarious, and I thought it was hilarious too because you know sometimes a clip will go huge in this part of the world or that part of the world. You don't even you don't even know about it. And they were like, look, yeah. this Europeans or, or Western people are taking shahada. Is not it crazy? So I I just saw
0: that last night. Yeah, it's it's definitely a world of a difference, right? Because when you compare like stats on atheism overall and you look at Europe, especially in France, like I think atheists make up almost a quarter or it's like 25 percent of people are like atheists or something like that. Quebec is definitely like an extension of that, right? With the whole secularism and, you know, separation of uh, state and church and all of that, all of that stuff. Uh, It's definitely very, very different to your point uh, in the States. Uh, no, No doubt about it. So all that being said going back to what we were talking about earlier about you kind of uh not being afraid to get into uncomfortable conversations or into some uh some controversial topics uh we recently realized that you were actually banned on uh instagram is that right like after you had (laughs) grown your account uh to to a considerable uh following uh what exactly happened
1: uh we don't know i know that uh this was before the follow situation So I don't know who did it or why they did it. I do know that I had around 80K. uh, So it was was substantial. And uh, the good thing is it's not on my phone, nor is it um, something I deal with directly. Everything. My videographer, he's the one who records my stuff, edits my stuff. And he's got actually a team underneath him that they chop stuff up and they send it all out. So I'm trying to get more involved. I'm trying to do more lives on my, let's say, whether it be Instagram or TikTok uh you know i know our brother uh he's he's, he's mad at me he's always mad at me yeah. He's like he's like you should be using this what is wrong yes. with you he gets mad That's at me true. all the time that i'm not more active um inshallah hopefully with, with time i will actually uh, do that uh but yeah they they didn't give a reason uh they never gave a means of you know uh coming back so we just started a new one and we're crawling our way up so instagram is quite not it's, it's, it's a slow crawl but TikTok is much better alhamdulillah So we're trying to focus on on both, really. Um, But yeah, they uh, I I don't know. I don't think it was anything on Instagram. I know that the brother who cuts my stuff up and sends it out. He's like, look, I was careful not to put anything controversial, because I know how sensitive they are on Instagram. But I guess what happened was they just took a look at my YouTube and saw, okay, he's a lot more loose, and a lot more, you know, um, honest on YouTube. And he's promoting himself on Instagram than getting followers that way. So I guess they just Said, let's just cut them anyway.
0: Mass report or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it happens, and unfortunately, it does affect your uh, your platform. But I mean, it's not something that you you can't recover from. And knowing you, inshallah, like you probably will recover from this. It's just a matter of time. You yeah, know, yeah, a matter and, of when.
1: Uh, Allah knows. But it does it does affect yeah. you in the sense that when you have a certain following, then you do get opportunities to go travel to give lectures in different areas. And then when you have more demand, obviously, you get paid better. And so not that it's all about money, but at the same time, this is a way that they took a shot at my livelihood in the sense that you, you, have, you have better opportunities to go out, and give lectures, and, and, and therefore earn more for your family. And so I when somebody so. takes a shot at that, uh, you're like, I'll see you on Yomelpieva. <laughs>
2: that's, that's
1: my attitude. That's my attitude. That's my attitude. Like, I, the good thing is I'm not personally attached to this. I don't think it's healthy. Maybe one day I'll have TikTok or Instagram on my phone. I don't though, because um, I, I, when my uh, videographer he shows me stuff. I'll go through the comments, and it's not healthy for the mind to see the sharp, uh, um, extreme praise and extreme critique. There's really nothing. I guess nobody leaves a, a generic comment, or maybe they do, and you don't even notice 100%. them, you're just because it's just it's so. It's like you are the most incredible person, and the light, the nur of Allah Ta'ala is coming off of your face, and you changed my life. You're like an angel, and this and that, and then it's like die. And you're the devil, and you're you're trying to pervert <laughs> them, and you're not sincere, and and it's like you just you just get these extremes. And I don't think it's healthy for your mind to be. So instead, I just say, I'm going to do what I enjoy. I'm going to study my deen, teach it to my community. Those who are interested, they attend. And all the clips, you guys do with that stuff.
0: For sure. Yeah, I totally get it. I mean, it's almost, in some cases, it's almost like a necessary evil. If you are an important voice and you need to kind of impart yeah. some of this stuff on you know the community or the broader community overall. But to your point, it is definitely something that is a poison nonetheless. It is still in a way it has a lot of evil in it so i i I understand where you're coming from when it comes to that and inshallah with time like you know it's also about like the mindset right it's like you have to really be the type of person who couldn't care less about the comments you're just doing this for the mission you're just doing it for the consistency the 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 intention has to be really really powerful in that sense but it's it's too much too much
1: temptation you know it's like uh how many times can you read like can i be your second wife can i be your second wife And then you start to think to yourself, maybe they're serious. They're not serious. Yeah, I just always remind myself that this is just a way of saying, like, I like you, or that was was a good point, or that was cool. You know what I mean? Uh, It's just just a way of saying it in a way that stands out and, like, you know what I mean? Uh, And so it's like, you just have to be, like, as much as I would... Uh, appreciate if that was a sincere comment. is not, so <laughs> you know what I mean. Totally. It's just uh, these are just these are online comments, and so you can't really take them seriously, and it messes it with your head. You know, uh, you, you might uh, run down a rabbit hole. And stuff yeah, like wa-
2: I wanted to ask about the um, the atheism. Well, the, the curriculum you had going, the two months, two months, two months. I want to go back to that for a sec because a lot of it sure. is surrounding Dawah. I wanted to know: Do you see any trends between the people you give Dawah to, whether it's female, male, whether it's um, atheist, Christian, etc.? Where it's, you know, between women and men, one tends to be a lot more, they're holding back from converting because it's a lot more emotional or because they need the logic or maybe between, like, are you seeing patterns between, for example, different genders or different, uh, like, what's holding people back usually?
1: I would say that as of late, um, we well in general, in the West, it's a well-known fact that uh, there are more female converts than male. That's uh I think I, I remember re, re, hearing a stat that said uh it's three to one. So seventy five percent women a quarter men. I don't know if that's true. That's I heard that somewhere. You guys can Google that and check that no, out. it makes sense. Out. It yeah. makes but sense. I do cause... I do know for a fact, I do know, inshallah, to to, to the best of my knowledge, it's yeah. definitely more women than men. That that's for sure. I don't know the exact numbers. Um, but um uh the reason for that, I think that well, I mean, we live in a hypersexualized society and, and, and women realize that like I'm not one of these airbrushed, you know, Instagram models. And so therefore the definition of femininity, what it means to be a woman is not, I'm not appreciating this. What happened to women just, you know, being decent, uh, you know, then they see the Muslims that are, okay, they believe in one God and they do dress decently. And and they're actually, this is a big thing, family values. I've had a number of people that were raised with broken families. Yeah, that's a, that's a very, that's a, that's a consistent one. Mm -hmm. People with broken families, seeing Muslims and saying, that's a family I want. Now let me look into their religion. That's a big And so I remember because of a few people that told me that I said, man, we need to invite non-Muslims to our homes so they can see what a family looks like. And then just hang out with them. Just be cool. Just be, just be happy. And wow, the the wife looks like a happy wife and the husband looks like a good man. He looks like a decent masculine man that just provides and cares and loves for his family. And the kids are like normal. They're not like addicted to all sorts of stuff. They're not super overweight or uh, uh, you know uh, with all sorts of weird problems and cussing and you know just they're they're just decent kids i think this is enough for a lot of people to say i was not raised this way i did not have we all had broken homes and uh family members who hated each other and uh who weaponized each other that's a big one weaponization of children you know after a divorce the woman or the man they use the kids against each other um anyway yeah i think this is a big one uh so that would be a huge one family But would you, and, you say know, I,
2: in terms of gender roles also, those people would look at the gender roles within typically Muslim households, they tend to be a lot more traditional and be like, that's like, I want that. Or, or yeah, was... yeah,
1: definitely, definitely, 100%. I mean, that's that's exactly what I'm what I'm getting at, that uh, that they're looking at the family, they're looking at the gender roles, they're looking at uh, what is the round, what is natural, like the idea of a man yeah. providing. Unfortunately, even amongst Muslims, we're finding a decrease uh, in the traditional. I gave a hook about this recently, where I, I mentioned that I spoke with a number of sisters who were young, And if you looked at them, you would say, you should have no problem getting a man, right? Uh, Like, boy, you know, you seem like you're perfectly capable of of landing some guy. And uh, the three sisters were like, no, all of us are struggling because every guy wants to know how much we're making.
0: Oh, so you're (laughs) saying it's actually coming from the man's side. So it's not just a situation of like masculinization of the woman itself. This is a man actually seeking these things. I, I would say,
1: I would say, so I would say, ten years ago, the big trend was, "Hey, girl, you're a boss. You could do it yourself. Uh, you know, just make your money, and you don't need a man. He's just going to hold you back, and he's just going to want you in the kitchen." And you know, what I mean, uh, you know, the sort of feminist narrative that says be right. independent and strong, and you don't need no man. I'd say about ten years ago, that was definitely stronger. It still exists, no doubt. Yeah. However, yeah. the number of sisters that I talk to, they are tired of it. They're just like, "No, no, no. We've tried that, and we are done." Uh, we don't want to be a man. I don't don't want to just chase after money for the rest of my life and not have connections and family values. I'm finding that now it's kind of the role reversal where the feminism that has been sowed inside of the men, telling the men, raising them on this idea that says, uh, you guys and men and women are equal. A lot of us, a lot of us men, we've been indoctrinated with this and we actually believe it. So now that these young men are getting married, they're like, okay, if I spend 40 hours a week uh, at work, you better spend 40 hours a week at work. If I'm early earning a six-figure salary gotcha. where's your six-figure salary so it's and that's why they are aiming for less children because children are just sort of a burden so maybe they'll have one kid maybe max two and then they'll mostly get a nanny or put them in daycare not really connected to the kid and both of them are focused on work materialism money and vacations and so that's it's this uh, it's a it's a it's a that's that seems to be very popular and a lot of sisters are like i mean can you imagine, like, how romantic is it to be like, uh, "Oh wow, so how much do you earn? <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. you know, what's your gross income this year? You know, what I mean, it's, it's good super." <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah, it's 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 brutal, but a lot of sisters are uh, realizing that you know, be careful what you wish for. You know, this idea of equality um, on the back end of it, it sucks. Um, would yeah, you would you say like yeah.
2: to undo this whole gender mix up that we have? A lot of it falls on the shoulder of men to like man up.
1: Oh well, and specifically with regards to. Specifically with regards to men, just being honest. There are so, I just had a conversation with a guy in my office. What was it? Yeah, on Wednesday. So, a couple days ago. So, on Wednesday, this guy was talking about depression. He was talking about how sad he was and just like just dealing with problems. And they, as I'm listening to one after the other, they all seem to link back to this man's inability to be honest towards women. So, it's like, okay, first of all, you go to work every day. And this is going to, again, this is going to be a controversy. Maybe someone's going to dislike this. But please just try to, you know, try to have an open mind, okay? That's the platform, yeah. Yeah, try (laughs) to to just listen with some, just an open mind, open heart. I'm not trying to attack anybody. Just use your mind. Think a little, inshallah. Imagine going to work every day and the women are dressed hypersexual, okay? Now, a lot of women would say, so what? Just don't look, right? Well, men are designed to be very much attracted to that, okay? And women know this that we have very strong desires, specifically through our eyes. We're affected much stronger than the women. Okay, so now will men in any way whatsoever bring up the topic, whether it be to women directly, whether it be to HR, whether it be to their fellow male, uh, uh, let's say coworkers, would anybody bring up the question of how much is too much over here? Like how much skin can you show until this becomes inappropriate? I thought we're at work right now, right? Are we supposed to be working? Um, This seems inappropriate. Like when does it get to, can they show up naked and everybody just has to pretend like everything's cool. Can the guy show up naked. What if we decide, you know what, you know, screw it. You know, I'll just, uh, you know, you want to play this game. We're going to be animals. I'll be an animal too. Is that cool on his end too? You get my point. So how, so now the question is this guy's suffering and I'm like, do you ever talk about it? No. Cool. Then you go home. Now you have all this temptation. I'm like, do you ever talk to your wife about that? No, I have to lie to her and tell her I don't see any other woman except one woman. Right? Right. So, so I'm like, that's, that's the stupidest lie I've ever heard. Like, why would anybody even say that lie? It's a waste of time. Even the woman shouldn't believe it. Yes, but that's what they like. They like to be lied to and told, I never see another woman. I never have temptation. You're the only one I see. You're the only beauty that I see. I'm like, okay, cool. So you're not telling the truth at work. You're not telling the truth at home. Then with a lot of fathers, what happens? They never are honest with their daughters and talk about desire. Why? Because daddy wants to maintain the image that he is an angel that was descended from the heavens and never has had an impure thought in his life. Right? He's never looked at a woman in a sexual way. I was very impressed when one man came up to me and he said, no, no, I'm very different. I take my daughter out. We go, you know, I get her some ice cream. I say, how are things going? You know, I try to I try to let her open up to me and I, and I open up to her as well. And he goes, you know what I sent her? I was so impressed. This one brother, he says, one time we were talking, we were hanging out with my, I was hanging out with my daughter. Some woman walked by very dressed in a very sexual way. He goes, what do you think I feel when I see that? Now this girl, she's in high school, okay? She's just getting to let's say, let's say 14, 15, 16, 17. I don't know. Some somewhere, I don't know, somewhere around there, right? He goes, what do you think I see when I see that? She's like, oh dad, I don't like to talk about this. No, no, I want you to answer me. What do you think I feel? Do you think you think I'm just an angel? This is the problem. Fathers don't talk to their, they don't they don't say anything. When it comes to women, they have to just shut down and just say nothing. It's it's just lie. They, they think that lying is the is the big uh, solution to everything. So it's like, no, I'm going to be honest. You know what I want to do? I want to jump on her. I want to jump on her. You know why? Because I've been with your mom many times and she's something new. He was just that blatant, that honest. That's what I want. That's And he's trying to teach his daughter. This is how men are. This is how men think. You show them this body. You show this flesh. They want to devour it. You have My dear daughter, learn what the real world is like. That's being a father, right? Now, if you won't say a single word at work and just deal with being And I was explaining to the guy, uh, this brother that I was talking to, I was like, bro, what do you call somebody who teases, right? If you're hungry and I'm like, oh, you want some of my food? Can't have it. You're hungry, right? Can't have it. Want it? Can't have it. What do you call that person? That person's a jerk, right? Like, is it true or false, right? If you tease me, you're a jerk. I'm not suggesting that any man should actually go out and do something. Not suggesting that at all. Never, right? But I can at least acknowledge you're teasing me and you're a jerk, right? This is a work environment. We're supposed to be getting work done. You're not supposed to be teasing anybody. Can't you talk to your coworkers about that? In a nice way. Don't use my language. My language is too harsh. I acknowledge it. Don't worry about the way I say it. Can you say it in any way? No. Can you talk to your wife in any way? No. Can you talk to your daughter in any way? No. So your solution in life is lie to your women. I'm like, okay, khalas. <laughs> so this is, you You made your bet. Now you have to lie in it. You're, you're telling me you have all this stress and anxiety and frustration. You're living a lie. And a lot of yeah. it has to do with Brother Abdullah. He mentioned beautiful, beautifully, or Abudi, if I can call him Abudi. What, what he mentioned beautifully is what? That uh, uh, men are not manning up. I don't mean man up. I, 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 this is very important. Man up doesn't mean saying, I'm the man of the house. I do whatever the heck I want. You're my woman. You're underneath me. And just be a bull that's, right, right, right. that's just childish, right? But what I would say, because you mentioned manning up, my definition of manning up is, for God's sake, be honest. Be honest to all of the women in your life. This idea that men can be honest with each other, but you can't say a single word to your wife, you have to live in a lie. Good luck with that you are only going to create your own problems.
0: So it seems like this is pretty much a byproduct of being uh, in an overly liberal type of society overall, right? Because it seems like that's the agenda overall. It's like this political correctness. You can't say anything. Otherwise, you know, you get canceled. You lose this. You're you're seen as someone who, uh, you know, just can't function in this society almost like a dog, like literally, although... The reality is, like, the more we're moving away from this, the more problems it's actually causing, right? We're seeing families being destroyed, to your point, parents that are also being destroyed from a sense of not being present in their kids' lives and not really being a role model at all, even for their kids. And then, you know, that exacerbates the problem even more and more as it goes on. Um, what what would you say to the overall population, let's say, within the States or, you know, within Canada, uh, so people living in the West, um, Aside from the this concept of just being honest, what are some practical steps that they can take to maybe start seeing or maybe start aligning their values with the things that you know we want, we, we should be aligning our values to? Uh,
1: obviously, well, I mean, the uh, the obvious answer is the learn, learn and study and understand your Islam, yeah. learn your Deen, and uh, actually trust that if God says something, maybe it's a good idea. <laughs> like if you if you if you subscribe to Islam, right, and the Islamic model um you shouldn't be shocked every time it's like wow that was a good idea like yeah of course it was it was from god right so like it's it's the obvious point but i I do think that in general is a this is a very still a general statement that um religious couples are going to reduce a lot of these uh problems not to say that religious people don't have problems they can still have problems but men will be significantly reduced when men and women do subscribe to the general outline that is granted uh in Islam, and so This does this mean the general outline of course is what the man is the leadership is the leader of the house um uh, that doesn't mean he's a tyrant he obviously wants to take care of his family to the best of his ability that the woman is going to support him in the best way possible uh she can financially support but that should not be her burden she should not be expected to earn she can if uh, you know say if the guy's in a bad situation if the guy got injured if the guy's extremely sick uh you know temporarily help out financially that's beautiful if she wants to do so but ultimately it's not her burden uh, her goal is to primarily, I mean, I like to say that men are in the productive sphere, women are in the reproductive sphere, right? It's a nice, easy way of remembering it, that generally uh, it's about family, it's about raising the kids in Dean. And if as a man, you want a lot of peace and peace of mind, yes, obviously find a sister who's from a practicing family who you can see in the parents that they have those traditional roles. And in general, your life will be easier. And I say the same thing to the sisters, find a traditional man who's gonna treat you right, who's going to take care of you, who's going to love you. All he really wants is a little bit of respect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's he, most, most decent guys, they just want to know that they're appreciated. You know, I, I tell the young girls in class, I tell them all the time, I'm like, look, here, you want a really easy life hack? Here's the easiest life hack in the world. When your husband comes home after a long day at work, even if you have a hundred things to tell him, right? Like a hundred things he wants to say, this is a problem, fix this, I need this, I need this. If you have a hundred things, just spend the first five minutes not mentioning anything negative, give him a big hug, smile and say, I missed you. That's it. If you can do that, that man will come home to you every single day. You know what I'm saying? Like just be positive in the first few minutes. And then of course, let him know that, you know, there's, there's things that need to be addressed. No problem. But just try to, you know, I'm like, men are very easy. And I try to explain this to these sisters. Another thing that no fathers seem to be talking about. It's depressing. Look at, okay. I'll I'll, I'll, I have no idea, so this is an experiment. Abdullah and Noor, please tell me, what is the age gap between your parents?
2: Uh, like six months or a year. Oh, really? Uh, they're, was, that
0: close, they're that close when in when age? One was about three or, four, yeah, three or four years. Three or four years. So
1: anyway, I did. I, I asked the, my classroom. Of, of, of These are all Muslim students, right? Myself and my, my parents were somewhere between seven and eight years apart. I asked okay. them, all the students. And man, mashallah, it was crazy how many of them said 10. I was like, 10? For real? Yeah, 10, 10, 10. And then some of them were 5, some of them were 4, et cetera, et cetera. But in, it, if we ask 100 people, oh, if we no, no, let more be more specific. If we ask 100 successful marriages, what's the age gap between you, you will significantly find, I don't know what the average is, but you're going to see, you know, the 3 or 4 or 5 or 6 or 7 or whatever. You're going to see these, and then sometimes the big ones, like 15 years or whatever the case is, that's rare, but you still... So my point is what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Almost zero fathers talk to their daughters about this. And I try to tell these girls, I'm like, listen, you are in high school now, right? Let's say you're 16, 17, 18, whatever you're You get into college. By the time you're hitting 20, 21, 22, now you're in the MSA. You're in your college. My advice to you is very straightforward. You should be looking towards the men that are finishing their master's, finishing their PhD, right? Just starting to work, starting to make some money. Maybe the guy's five years, six years, seven years older than you why there's a number of things that happen here number one first of all he's stable that's really good number two he has more experience he's got more respect and he's you're going to feel comfortable giving him that leadership role and he's going to love it so both of you will be happy you will feel comfortable because i have a real leader a real man he will feel comfortable and happy because hey she actually respects me and loves me and takes and and, and allows me to take the lead life will just move move smoother that way the problem is the problem is fathers aren't helping these girls meet these guys because they're not even aware. I spoke to a father, quick story. I spoke to a father and mother in my office just the other day, a little while ago. Oh my God, my daughter, she's 23 years old and she has a boyfriend. Really? Oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, he's not even a Muslim guy. And I just, so I don't know where this came from. It's terrible. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm anyway, like, she's 23, right? So, um, I mean, you must've been thinking about her as, as a marriageable prospect since like 18 ish, right? No. Okay, cool. Um, have you ever been talking to her about marriage at all? No. Okay. Uh, have you talked to her about any of the guys in her community that would be a possible spouse that she could theoretically marry? No, I haven't. Interesting. Have you been paying attention to any of the men in your community at all? Do you even know of the guys that are good candidates or not? No. Literally to his face, I go, do you even know you have a daughter? It's Like, I got to a point where I was so annoyed. I'm like, so you're upset that her concept of relationships and sexuality has kicked in and that she's doing this by herself, right? She's, she's navigating this space as a untrained or inexperienced young girl. And you're saying she's doing it badly and you're upset about that. Got it. So are you helping her navigate that space? No, not at all. So if you did nothing, then she did it by herself. What are you upset about? And this is fathers are not stepping in. Fathers are not paying attention to good men in their community. They're not involved in actively making them better men. You know, you guys can be part of your uh, community part of your masjid. making sure are the kids learning this are they doing their hymns? are they learning arabic are they are they, are they playing sports are they toughening up are they going to the gym do we have a weight problem do we have a, a, a dao problem do they know how to talk about Islam if the answer is no to all these things you guys can get involved and in, in build up great men so that by the time your daughter has to pick from somebody you're like oh great i know 10 guys let's talk about them do you like this guy this guy this guy you know I know this guy i know his father i know this one i know that one if you guys are completely detached and all you want is money, good luck with that. You'll be in my office later on saying, I don't know what happened. She's with some guy and I never, uh, you know, all this whining. I'm sick of it.
2: Dad, one second, one second. Before we go, yeah. to... <laughs> I just want to ask a few questions. There's a lot that yes. been said. Two sure, questions. Sure. Okay. The first one is, okay, you're advising or rather you see a trend where marriages that work are the ones that there's a gap between the man and the woman. And there's reasons why that is. My question is with regards to men. Marrying young, and I specifically,
1: I would like to hear about what you think your sons should do. Would you want them to marry young? Because if yeah, I know this is a, this is a tough question. So look, I'm not I'm not uh, these are generalities. Okay, I'm not I'm not trying to give a one size fits all for everybody. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, in general though, I think it's it's a pretty established fact that yeah, when there's an age gap between them, it's better. I know Khadija was older than the Prophet said. I know there are exceptions, so we know. But at the same time, the Prophet married many other women, and I think he was older than I think all of them. It was just khadijah right? So all to say that uh, this is a general. Um, now the question that young men ask me is all the time. I get question. I get question all the time. Should I get married young? or Should I wait till I'm older? I give them a pretty, uh, what I hope to be generic or a, a pretty balanced and fair answer. I say, look, it's a double edged sword. There's pros and cons on both sides. Uh, the pro for marrying young is obviously that it avoids the fitna. You're not gonna. You're less likely to fall into zina. And I always tell them. If you are tempted, if you have this girl who she likes you, you like her, and you know you think you're going to fall into uh, fornication and you think something's going to happen, please do the nikah, get married, make it halal, and just make it simple. You know, uh, it's always better that way, um, even if you're a young guy. So that's good. That's the pro uh, that you avoid haram. The con, the negative, is that you are kind of a halal boyfriend in the sense that you, first of all, even approaching the girl, you don't have much to bargain with, right? You're showing up as a guy with nothing in your pockets, with nothing in your hands. I don't have the degree yet. I don't have any money yet. I don't have the car. I don't have the house. I don't really have anything that makes a man a man, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have the I don't have the status amongst my peers, right? I'm not someone in society yet. That's what makes a man a man. Um, and so, you are going to have less to bargain with, which means that you can demand less, right? That's what That's what marriage is. It's a negotiation. Okay, I bring this to the table. What are you going to give back, right? So if you're patient the bad part is that you have to be patient right if you have to wait till you're let's say you know in your late 20s early 30s yes uh you're gonna have built yourself into a man and so now hopefully if you've actually worked hard all these years you hopefully have been at the gym make yourself stronger you've been in the library make yourself smarter you've been in the message make yourself more righteous you know that's where i say you should be physical mental spiritual you need to be working on these things for that decade from you know 20 to 30 roughly if you are patient and you can avoid all the fitna now you can approach The, uh, you know, uh, you could say sexual marketplace, if you will, Uh, you know, the uh, uh, you could approach women and you have a lot to bargain with. You say, I'm the man, obviously not arrogantly, but in a good way. You say, look, I have a lot. And so therefore, because I have a lot, I expect a lot as well. And that's excellent. It's great because now you can get a girl who is, you know, you have options. So you get the girl you find the most beautiful and the most righteous and the most uh, uh, she's going to be she's going to she's going to let you lead and follow you. And she's going to be best character. You have options. So I'm like, which one do you want? Do you want to be really patient and wait till you really have a lot to offer? Or do you want to just get it done right away? But you'll never have that respect. And I think one thing that young men feel frustrated about, they get married young. And then when the girl has a problem, she runs to daddy. She doesn't run to you. And you can't really blame her. You can't blame her because the fact of the matter is you don't have the means to help when she has a real problem because you're still just a kid who's in school. So are you okay with that? Or is that going to really burn you? So, uh, as you guys know, I've been on both sides of this equation. <laughs> uh, I got married uh, young and uh, experienced that world. And then later on, I got uh, married older and I experienced that world. So, anyway, all to say that that's why I feel that I can speak about this and, and let guys know what they're dealing with. But alhamdulillah, you know, I've, I've seen guys deal with both. And uh, they're figuring it out.
2: Okay, a follow-up question. So, you said yep. um, 20 to 30, there is physical, mental, spiritual. Can you lay out a very basic what you would consider the ideal whether it's physical you should be doing xyz mental you should be doing xyz spiritual you should be doing the xyz for men specifically between 20 and 30 and then 30 and 40 because i'm assuming those are the majority of people who are watching us so just in general can you give a a generality well
1: i mean in terms of in terms of uh young men yes definitely you know there has to be some Sports and gym time, or whatever the case is, where you're keeping yourself fit, you should not be overweight. You should not be like, oh, I'm suffering from all these pains, and I can't. Like, in my message, I mean, I insisted that in our gym, we they they put in a chin up of a pull up bar. And Alhamdulillah, you know, I do push ups and pull ups and do different exercises with the young men. Sometimes people can't do one; they can't lift up their own weight one single time. I'm like, is this acceptable? Sometimes the fathers can do more push ups than their own kids who are 18. Like these boys are in the prime of their life and they can't even do like five push ups. And their dad's like, I can. And the guy's got like a, 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 a metal shoulder, you know, inserted plate in his arm and he's got a messed up back and he's got a this and a that. And he's still stronger. Like we are looking at a very scary, I really, I fear this younger generation, how weak they are. In their 30s and 40s, these guys are gonna be falling apart like they are in their 60s and 70s. May Allah protect us all. So, yes, I do think physically we need to be a little bit tougher. Alhamdulillah, we have martial arts in our, in our in our masjid, and I've been pushing that a lot. I always push the young men to learn how to fight, for there's a lot of reasons for that. But anyway, uh, I, I want to toughen up our, our young men a lot. Um, so physically, you know, get to the gym, play aggressive sports, be a bit tougher. I'm not saying be stupid about it, be smart, be safe, but at the same time, toughen up. Mm-hmm. And in terms of, you know, at that age, you want to be getting your degrees. Uh, you want to be, uh, you know, reading books and studying and, 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 and going to school and earning your degrees so that you can, you know, uh, have the highest position possible. So yeah, when it comes to being in the library, I'm talking about get that bachelor's master's PhD. I do recognize that not everybody has to go the academic route. That's fine. I respect that. But at the same time, I do think for most people that is going to benefit you in the long run, having those degrees is going to help you. You're going to be more specialized. Yes. You can learn more on the job, but having that background does help. Mm -hmm. And, and thirdly, in terms of spiritual, you have to know the basics of your Islam. You have to be practicing it and you have to be able to pitch it. It's scary to me when a Muslim can't explain why he's Muslim, he can't pitch it, he can't explain this is why I'm convinced by Islam, this is what makes Islam beautiful, and this is because I know this, this is how I lived, right? If these things are not aligned, if you are Muslim but you can't explain it, or you can explain it beautifully but you don't actually practice what you just explained, right? If there's all these disconnects, then you are not a holistic human being, you're all messed up, right? I'm not saying everybody has to be an alim, but you have to know the basics, you have to be able to explain it. You have to be able to practice it. I think this is absolutely fundamental. So I think that's a. Is, that a is this like twenty
2: to thirty, or just a general for all? Of- well, definitely
1: twenty to thirty. I would say that when it comes to uh, thirty to forty, the physical stays the same. You still have to exercise, and the spiritual has to keep on increasing as well. But you don't have to keep getting degrees. Obviously, when you're forty years old, you're still not, you know, in university. That's fine. But I still think that it's very depressing when you see men the moment they finish their degree, they never pick up another book. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. I think that you should always be reading. I mean, alhamdulillah, we live in an age where you could listen to books, right? Uh, it makes it a lot easier. Uh, when you're yeah. driving, you could, you know, every day you're on your way to work and back, let's say uh, 20 minutes there and back, It's 40 minutes a day, listen to a book, you listen at double speed, subhanAllah, now you're, uh, you are you know, you're learning a lot. So uh, you, you should be actively involved in intellectual issues. I think that uh, if Allah Ta'ala gave us the first command, which is iqra, read, and Allah didn't say iqra al-Qur'an. Allah said read, it's just general. So yes, number one has to be Quran. But then after that, there's still, we should be literate people. We should be, you know, as I say, uh, readers are leaders, right? We should be Uh reading a lot. So as a Muslim, you should be someone who's just, your mind is open. And this is what what makes a real man, someone who's smart, someone who's fit, and someone who knows their deen and practices
0: it and can explain it. This is, I think, uh, absolutely crucial. So so Nas, like, what do you think causes this uh, disparity or this very big difference between the older generation and the new generation of kids. Like why is it that these That's kids good. can't do a pull up at their age or can't do a push up yeah. at their age? You know, these are what we would assume would be like basic skills or basic things that any young person should should have the ability to do. Yeah. What is causing this? Like what has caused this to be the situation that we're in nowadays?
1: It seems that uh I don't know Allah knows best, but I think the clearest culprit is the uh technology, the smartphones, uh all of the gadgets every minute that a kid is spending on one of these gadgets that means he's not outside doing the stuff that we used to do running around and going on a bike and i used to you know go to the, down to the local pool and go to my friend's house and go to that guy's house and used to be biking out. we used to just get around on our bikes all over the city just running around right into trouble doing all sorts of stuff nowadays kids are just on their phones in front of a screen not moving and getting weaker and getting all sorts of joint and back pains and and, and all sorts of issues at such a young age it's really really depressing and, and the junk food, of course, uh, that's another big one, uh, garbage food and uh, garbage media, having your brain attached to these things, we need to break them off of this stuff and uh, have them reading books, have them playing and, and moving around, get them involved in sports, let them learn how to actually kick a ball, run or whatever the case is. Again, martial arts, I think are extremely crucial. Um, alhamdulillah, just on a side tangent here, I was able to, uh, so we, we there's, a, there's an Alimiya program, it's called Hassanain School. It's like 40 minutes from my house. Uh, these guys are fantastic. They have about a uh, hundred kids studying Arabic and hips and, and fifth and so forth full time. So I love these kids. I think they're fantastic kids. I've taught there, I've, I've done classes over there and uh, we have a great relationship with them. They're very respectful, very focused. They're super practicing and they're doing, they're great kids. The only thing that I felt was lacking was confidence. I felt that they were timid. You know, they're, they're young, but they're timid and they're kind of in their own bubble. They don't really get out of that world very much. Um, so I said, join us in our martial arts classes. We do traditional classes. I said, come, come roll with us. So they came a bunch of times, they loved it. They absolutely loved it, but it was a big, long journey. It was difficult for them to do the travel. So now that they bought this new school, they just bought it, I think it's roughly $9 million project, mashallah. They mashallah. bought this, this gigantic, huge school. They got a lot of space in it. And I said to, I sent out on a WhatsApp group to a bunch of guys. I said, listen, um, I think we all know that we want tough leadership. Nobody wants any imam on the binbar who looks soft and pathetic. You know it, it it's different when someone can poke you and say hey buddy you see that guy giving the khutbah if he wanted he could kill you <laughs> you're like what <laughs> like like yeah he's black though he could, he, could, he could own you like that immediately you just learn you listen differently right like so to me i said guys we all know that we need toughness the whole ummah knows that the whole look at the look at the ummah today right is uh, one out of four people are muslim we can't get a cup of water to the people of Gaza." I mean, please. Let's not even debate up this. Weakness yeah. is number one priority. Bravery and toughness is priority number one. Like, it, there should be zero debate about this. So, because of that, it should start from the top down. In other words, we need to bring back what toughness. Associate Islam with toughness. This is all the sahaba and all the tabi'in, all the great ulama. These guys were tough to the point that I was speaking with uh, uh, Sheikh Abu Fida, a um, uh, sheikh from um, uh, Michigan. He studied in uh, he studied in um, Yemen. He said in Yemen, he spent nine years there studying in Yemen. He said over there, in order to graduate, you have to know how to shoot and know how to fight. That's that's, that's standard. And that's Yemen, mashallah, they've been Muslim since the time of the Prophet That's the traditional stuff right there, mashallah. So my point is what? That I, alhamdulillah, I was able to go on my WhatsApp group and uh, say, who wants to give? And alhamdulillah, we were able to raise the $5,000, 5,100, which was the same price that we spent on our mats. I said, okay, that it cost 5,100, alhamdulillah, within the day, Everybody said, "I'll drop, I'll drop this much, this much, this much." We all put them in together, and we gave it to uh, Sheikh Shamas. And I've been, I'm trying to follow up with him and say, "Let me know when you've ordered it. Let me know when they say it's going to arrive, because I want to come in and train with you guys as well. I want to see that you guys are doing it. I want to be part of this project." So I would say, guys, practicing knowledgeable Muslims should be tough. The image of the fat, lazy imam—we need to delete this. Delete it. No right. more. Zero. Right? Why? Because it's the wrong image. Islam is about not being worldly. It's not about being obsessed with dunya. When you look like you're someone who's gluttonous and you just consume and you're lazy, you're sending the wrong message. You're telling me, don't fall in love with the dunya, but it looks like you're very much in love with the dunya. I'm sorry to say. It. And look, okay, let's, let's make put it in really simple terms. Guys, what would you say to an imam that smokes cigarettes? What would you say to him? Would, would you guys be happy if the, the local imam was smoking cigarettes, yes or no? It's definitely
0: not, not for sure. In any way. They, yeah, yeah lose credibility. Like credibility. Lose so
1: you'd yeah. so you be happy or not happy with it?
0: Not happy. Unhappy. No,
1: not unhappy. Good stuff. So is there a hadith about smoking?
0: Nope. No. No, there isn't. Not so what right
1: what, what are you guys what are you guys pointing to? There's no hadith about smoking. What are you pointing to that, that makes it wrong?
0: Uh there could be a bunch of things. Society's perception overall, right? Like it's it's just a common perception that people who smoke or what's the perception do anything- it's just drugs are bad, right? Bad, <laughs> bad, bad for what? Bad for <laughs> yeah. what? Your health, number one. Bad for one. health,
1: good. So so, so, specifically, I'm, I'm, I'm getting here. I'm getting somewhere here. Yeah, so yeah, the yeah. point is what? You don't accept the smoking imam because the smoking imam, not because there's a hadith about smoking, but because it's bad for your health. Right. Which one's worse? Being a smoker who exercises and who is fit versus somebody who doesn't move and who is morbidly obese. Which one do you think is worse for your health? The, the latter. I, I, you, ask a doctor. I'll put it that way. I'll say ask a doctor. To my understanding, I've spoken to some people about this, and my understanding is it's quite comparable. It's quite comparable. The number of problems that you can have being obese and the number of problems you can be a smoker, Allah, I don't I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give the exact details. To my understanding, you speak to a doctor about it, there's not much of a difference in terms of you are putting yourself at risk in both scenarios. I guess it depends, oh, like if yeah. you're
2: smoking a pack a day versus like a cigarette every two weeks whatever anyways look before we move on i wanted to i wanted to ask something because we were talking about kids and we was asking the question why can't some people do pull-ups etc etc okay the same way we um defined a roadmap to some degree for 20 to 30 year olds 30 to 40 can you give me a roadmap for people who are raising kids anywhere between 0 to 15 or 0 to 20 and i would like to know your approach specifically my approach
1: is i specifically took this position because i knew that my kids would be able to go to a islamic school and uh I would be terrified. I would feel that I've done my kids an injustice if I didn't put them in Islamic school. Why? Number one, because they're actually learning some Arabic. They're learning some basics of... Uh, they, they have a, like a HIVS class where they're, they're progressing with their teachers. So this is some basic stuff that I think is important. But it, those aren't even the big things. Those aren't even, even, even though you'd think that that's... The, you know, they're learning the basics of their team. That seems sounds great. It is great, but still not the biggest thing. In my mind, the biggest comfort is the fact that I know that my kids are making friends the life the lifelong friendships that they're developing throughout their uh, grade school, middle school and high school are all kids that I know their parents. And not only do I know their parents, I know their values, right? So I'm on the mimbar every week giving the chutbah and I know all the parents that are the kids uh, that are friends with my kids. You get my point? So if theoretically my kids have some sort of an issue with some other kids or they're getting into the wrong things, they're doing something, they're getting into no good, they're, they're doing something bad, I can go to those parents and say, "Hey, your kid's struggling. My kid's struggling. We're all struggling together. Let's figure this out, because we all have the same value system. We can all right. approach it as a team." Imagine if my kid's going to uh, public high school; he's making, he's becoming best friends with some kid that you know doesn't have the same belief system whatsoever. Yeah. These kids get older; they have all sorts of problems. I try to approach the parents and say, "Hey, my kids and your kids are getting into something that's wrong." And he's like, "I don't think that's wrong. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful." Mm-hmm. How on earth can we address this at all? That to me would be a nightmare scenario. I'm much happier during the most formative years, during the most influence, uh, influenceable or the most malleable time of a kid's life when his mind is like a sponge and he's just copying everything and downloading everything. I want him in a clean environment. Then when he gets to college, now you're a grown man, you better deal with it on your own. You know, you have to deal with your own problems. Whether you deal with fitna, whether you deal with peer pressure, all that stuff, that's, you're a man now. You have to deal with it.
2: So you're saying anywhere between yeah. like kindergarten up to grade twelve they should be, like, a majority of it comes from being in an Islamic school and being around people with similar values?
1: You asked me about my situation. Yes. I'm telling you, I thank God that that's what I have set up for myself. I would I would wish that all of you have the exact same thing. I don't know if that's practical or possible for anybody. I'm simply saying, I thank Allah Ta'ala that when my kids go to their house, I know they're eating halal food. I know they have uh, around parents that, pray, that may remind them to pray. I know that when they come to my house, these are Muslim kids. Even if the kids messed up, Usually how messed up they are is way different. I'll give some examples. In uh public, in, a, in, a, in an Islamic school, the kids might, you know, flirt and maybe even kiss, right? Oh my God, they kissed, right? In the public school, you got, you're got dealing with STDs and pregnancies, right? In the uh, in the Islamic school, the kids got into a fight, right? Oh, they pushed each other somebody punched someone. Oh my God, you're bullying, it's bad, right? That's, that's the bad kid. The bad kid is the bully, the fighting, whatever. In the public school they're shooting each other right the kid brought a gun to school right you um, this is america right (laughs) right (laughs) get strapped or get clapped that's the that's the expression around here so uh so what else in the um islamic school the kids the bad kid what does the bad kid do oh man he smoked weed he got high one time oh my god that's terrible in the public school the kid's an addict the kid's a dealer right i knew dealers when i was in high school i was in public high school you know, and I know addicts, I know guys that were so messed up that their mind could barely function anymore. Um, So in every scenario, whenever you look at the worst case scenario, you'll always find that the worst case in the Islamic school is a gazillion times better than the worst case in a public high school, right? Uh, You know, so um, yeah, uh, I could go on and on, but there's just so many examples of this. So I'm not saying that uh, the Islamic school is a one hundred percent solution. No, there are kids that do get messed up, but generally speaking, they're way, way less messed up than the most messed up kid at that public. How about
2: your involvement with your kids? Like, um, oh, obviously, yeah. the Islamic school, like you know, they're they're outside yeah. your purviews. But what what do you focus on in terms of teaching your kids? Yeah. Let's say well, that comes you,
1: down to the wife. You better if you don't choose the right woman, you're 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 dead in the water. You're talking uh, about like
2: at any age, like anywhere b- below maturity, you're it, it's all on the or majority on the mom.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, right now I'm talking to you guys. My wife is dealing with the kids. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, that's 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 that's. I mean, I can deal with my community because I can trust my wife, and I don't have to constantly micromanage my wife. I know many men, unfortunately, who they married a girl who they constantly have to micromanage in order to get the woman to teach the kid Fatiha, teach the kid when and how to pray, teach them how to make Wudu. My wife, Alhamdulillah, and I hope you guys wives have goals to make the kid a Hafiz without you even saying a single word. Right. Like, no, I want my kid to be a habit. It's like, whether dad is busy or not busy, I don't care. I want my kid to be a habit. I want my kid to know Arabic. I want my kid to wake up for Fajr. Hey, did you make wudu? Hey, did you do this? Hey, did you do that? Did you make that du'a? You say the du'a before you eat, right? You need a wife that's not... If you are micromanaging constantly your wife to make sure that she's teaching these things, you're going to be burned out, man. How are you going to focus on the outside world and also micromanage your wife on the inside world i'm good luck with that if you want to if you want to torture yourself I, you go for it i don't want to
2: do. That. look but the reality I, is the majority of people don't have that so what would be your advice to them nah,
1: That's, <laughs> brutal. that's, brutal. that's, that's, that's was, sorry to hear that uh i don't mess with my kids these are my children i'm not going to mess around man. these are these are my kids i'm going to find the girl who's the most practicing and who's the most dedicated the most focused these are the i'm bringing this child to this world and allah's going to hold me accountable why did you get this girl pregnant? Why? 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 You know, I, I, tell young, I tell young men and young women all the time. Marriage is about uh, copy pasting, right? Like you have to look at sisters and ask yourself, do we want a duplicate of this one or not? Do we want re- is to, this, is this something worth repeating or not repeating? And if the answer is yes, we want more of you in the world. That's why you marry her and have kids with her. But there's tons of people that are, you can say, sorry to say, failed experiments. You know what I mean? It's like, look, man, your parents tried, didn't work out. We don't want more copies of you. I'm sorry. Sorry to, sorry to tell you. You don't need to be replicated to the future. We want a better future, not a worse future. So no more of you. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. That's what I say. I say, guys, practice your deen. Make yourself worthy of a righteous girl and only marry the righteous ones. Why would you marry a weak one and then be like, oh, my God, my kids are all messed up. I don't know what happened. I'm like, "Uh, you don't know what happened. (laughs) I know what happened. Yeah. Uh, You know, she's not serious.
0: Yeah. SubhanAllah. Like, it is still a reflection of the man usually as well, right? Like, a lot of times... The man himself is the one who's making the decision. There is a sense of accountability there that, unfortunately, they're not really absorbing in and of themselves, right? And like the decision that they took to marry this woman to begin with. No,
1: most and, guys are just are, are most guys are just thinking about she's hot and she likes
0: me. You know, that's, so, that's unfortunate, right? That's, that's let part go. of the problem as well. And that's that's the thing. So a, a few things here in because I know th- there's a lot of different topics that kind of tie into this. So the youth themselves, a lot of times what ends up happening, at least, you know, speaking from my experience and maybe the experience of other people as well, um, is that you might not necessarily grow up with that environment or you might not necessarily grow up with that ideal, you know, parents are overworked or whatever the case may be. And as a result, they, you know, perhaps become im-present in the in the kids life. Um, and so the the, the person who, or the kid in that case is looking for some sort of mentorship, some sort of uh, role model outside of, you know, this sphere, right? And that's why you have like, you know, the Jordan Peterson's, the Ben Shapiro's. And we all know these guys aren't ideal because they're not Muslim at the end of the day, right? And, you know, for example, a lot of people love Jordan Peterson, but then when it came to Gaza, you know, that his, his whole statement of, you know, give him hell Netanyahu or whatever it is, right? And then. Uh, Sheikh Omar was like, you know, go to hell, Yeah, which is a funny reply. But yeah, yeah, all this to say that, like, there is a lack of role models overall. And as a result, there is also this hunger for um, just this reclaiming masculinity overall, right, just like kind of re embodying this masculinity, which to your point, like that's that's what we've been talking about for, for the most part of this podcast is it's kind of reclaiming this. Um, who are good figures or good people that people can actually listen to or can find some sort of like role modelship, I guess, if that's even a word, but like, you know, kind of aligning people or learning learning through them about the true concepts of what masculinity is. Cause there is also an overblown image of what masculinity is, right? With this whole toxic ma- masculinity or what is defined as toxic masculinity. There are, you know, there is a range where this is true and it, and it is false, but what would you say are good like resources for people? Kids, I would
1: say yes. that, um, online should only be supplementary person. I don't, I don't think that, gotcha. I think that you need to be involved in your community. Uh, I feel like, uh, though, the real role model should be locally, like, you know, go to your masjid and see who, see great people that are doing great things. You should be involved on a personal level at your own community. It shouldn't be something that I should know. I, I haven't lived in Montreal for, like I said, well, like 11 years. So I don't know who's yeah. running the show, uh, these days. Right. Um, but these should be the guys that you look to and you respect. You go to the masjid and you see not only the imam but also just people who are very active and involved in your community. These should be the primary, secondary online people. I watch this guy, I watch that guy. You know, there's lots of scholars. We all know their names. You know, uh, you go on YouTube and look up famous uh, scholars. And mashallah, hopefully, uh, they're, they're they'll you know you listen to something, you benefit from them. But the idea that you're so disconnected from your community that your only uh-huh. uh, you know source of Like a role model is somebody online who lives a million miles away. I think that is um, very unfortunate. Yeah, part of the problem. Definitely part of the problem. Yeah, no, you guys need to be involved in your community. You should be praying at your masjid. You know, I'm not saying every Muslim has to pray five times a day. I mean, obviously, it's best if you can. Definitely, you should. But most Muslims, you know, but be at the masjid regularly, you know, at least what? Pray Fajr there, pray Aisha there. You know, those are the two best if you can. uh, know people, get to know people. Uh, afshus salam, right? You know, spread salam between people. You know, al ta'am. And if you don't know the guy, get to know the guy. You invite him over, feed the guy, right? Um, uh, yeah, and and get you want. Masculinity is something that is is a slow build. You know, if you want to be like a a, a real like people want the people want the the shortcut. Well, that's the antithesis, Absolutely. right? It's like, how do I be a, a big, strong guy in like five minutes? It's like, well, look, man, reading books is a slow process. Exercising is a slow process. Developing your muscles, developing a skill set, like specifically learning how to get a good submission, how to lock in that, you know, arm bar or knee bar or, you know, a triangle choke or whatever the case is, right? You want to get these things down. It's going to take a lot of uh, brotherhood. It's going to take, you know, good partners to train with and go for runs. I mean, sh- the, the, weather's, the, the, the weather's looking nicer and nicer, right? get together with a group of guys and, and just go run up a hill or something, right? Uh, uh, you know, I think that, you know, we need to just be a role models of masculinity to the people around us with strong people around us. It doesn't have to be an online thing. Online is great as extra, right? Uh, but really you have to have something going on in your own community. This is the way that people develop close bonds. This is the way that marriages are built because now that people know each other, that their kids get married and create good families. This is the way da'wah is done. People want to be part of a community non-muslims they Mm -hmm. see this stuff and they're so jealous they're like man i wish i had anybody you know so many people are just lonely post-covid people are just in their own
0: little bubbles 100 yeah what would you say are are things that your community has done to kind of be welcoming to those kids right because you know we're we're talking about masculinity overall and we've, we've kind of summarized that one of the main problems is convenience comfort overall right like technology is a byproduct of this convenience of discomfort, the fact that they're looking for role models online as opposed to real human beings is also a byproduct of convenience comfort um what what ha- what have you done to kind of counteract that within your community or to be very welcoming to these kids what are certain things that you know communities need to put in place to be yeah attracting these youth so we to, built to, we built a yeah. gym
1: alhamdulillah our mission has a big gym and it's full all the time al-hamdulillah, one, sure. i don't say literally all the time but in the sense yeah. that alhamdulillah like for example, last night I left the masjid at like I think it was midnight, and they were still playing soccer there. Like it was, Allah, yeah. Sick. yeah. Uh, yeah and then, so awesome. so you know, it doesn't matter if you go during the daytime, you find like the older guys playing pickleball or something like that, uh, or maybe volleyball. Uh, the sisters have their own games. They they have they have the curtains, so they have to pull it down. You don't get to see what's going on in there. Um, uh, and, but yeah, you, you'll find basketball all the time. You'll have uh, taekwondo. You'll have jujitsu. Uh, you'll have soccer games going on. Um, building a, building a, a, a big, like, what's it called? Like, standard size gym uh, mm-hmm. with courts and stuff like that really brought in a lot of people. Alhamdulillah. Um, that's, you know, the youth just love to play there and this packed. Some, like last night, it was packed after Salat al-Ash. It, it was crazy. It balls flying everywhere, people get hit in the head. So it's that's pretty funny. But um, so definitely, you want to attract, you have to create that environment. I would also say that our community, Uh, You know, people always talk about, oh, we need to take care of the converts. We need convert classes. And then they try to over, they aim too high by saying, we're going to have weekly convert classes. Then too few people show up and they're too scattered. They show up some weeks, not others. It's not consistent. You're not really helping. And then the whole thing falls apart. This is what we decided to do. And it's very successful. Please remember this. Once a month, maybe even once, two months, but anyway, it's up to you guys. But basically for us, we do once a month, a convert dinner. So we go to some random restaurant, whatever it is, some, you know, Halal, Arab joint, Desi joint, whatever the case is. We buy a whole lot of big trays, and then we serve food. We have a we have a, this room, this, this, this nice room to, you know, sit down and tables and stuff like that. So hopefully you guys have that as well. We serve, we have all the men converts show up, and we just hang out. And I'm telling you, man, just by guys hanging out, laughing together, not only do we invite the converts, but we also invite oftentimes Muslims who are kind of detached from their deen. Not practicing their dean, coming back to their deen. We say, show up for this, just hang out with the brothers once a month. We've had guys, the brother George, he just converted to a slave He's like, this was the best night of my life. He just said that. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, it's just it's just a bunch of dudes hanging out, right? Nothing really special happening. But I'm telling you, and now Alhamdulillah, the sisters, uh uh Sister Hamna, she's she's recently just started to, to hook up the uh, uh the same thing for the for the sisters, which is really, really good we need we need that for the sisters as well we got a lot of hispanic converts, but we they convert but we don't see them as as much as we should we need to reconnect with them we have uh all, all sorts of sisters that convert like i said we have more more converts in terms of the sisters but we need uh we need these once a month once every two months just have everybody hang out and chill together that is huge guys it makes a huge 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 difference
2: what would your advice be generally for people who want that sort of thing um and for example let's take us as a situation where the community is at a point where it's up and coming maybe maybe it's not because we ha- we have these cycles all right but there are already established communities in bigger cities such as yours or some of the bigger cities in canada w- would you say these people should look to move or should they just no. try to improve their situation
1: uh that's your own call i can't i can't make i can call it so, okay you let's know, make it uh, even
2: more general do you yeah. advise generally for muslims to move to the Middle East and in an area like that, if they're finding difficulties and living in the West
1: or? I, I can't call that either. What I would say is this. Um, if you feel that you're in an area that you can do a lot of positive work and really build something great, if you feel that, that you can do that, I would say go for it for sure. And if you feel that you're in an environment that has lots of fitna and you feel like your dean and your kids are suffering, then definitely get out of there and move to an area where Islam is better practiced. Will that be in the West? Will that be in overseas in a Muslim-majority country? That's for you to figure out. I'm not going to I'm not gonna tell people where to go, but I definitely think um, being around other Muslims is certainly necessary. Uh, being in that environment, whether it's like, for example, our area is not like a hugely populated area. Like, you know, you'd say it's a pretty roughly small area, but because of the masjid that we built, and because Muslims have been there for the past 20 years, and because of the school in particular, a lot of people have shown up. So, Alhamdulillah, nowadays our area is looking like a very vibrant Muslim community. Okay, but hold on, hold on.
2: So, you've had, Alhamdulillah, the blessing of seeing um, a different community than the one you're in right now. And would you imagine yourself, because it's, it's almost in our position, it's a bit, you don't know what it is to be in a great community. So someone who's experienced both kinds, what was what has your experience been at least? Are you would you ever think of coming back with your whole family here or do to you Montreal? Think, I'm not saying like realistically, I'm just thinking would you if someone's in a similar situation to you, would you tell them to or would you just say like no honestly that the advantages of being in an area like I am is it's it's phenomenal like absolutely do it if you can.
1: So um, when I lived in Vegas I did want to get out because I didn't, even though I loved the nature, I mean, it's just beautiful living in the desert. It's just crazy cool. It's really, you know, going out and just walking in the desert. Absolutely gorgeous. But at the same time, Vegas, there was a number of issues. Um, one of them was the level of division. The level of division in the community at that time, I, I've heard things have gotten better. So I'm not trying to tell the brothers and sisters from Vegas. If you were listening, please don't think that I'm hating on you. But at that time, I was very much involved in the community. And I was trying my best to see things move forward. And it was very difficult to get people to work together. There had been a lot of, I guess, just uh, past issues that were kind of getting in the way. And so when I got the opportunity to go to a community that, you know, uh, in every way it looked like it was stronger. Yes, I took that opportunity. I did. Um, And also because Vegas, as you know, there's a lot of fitness. That's like the center of like a lot of tourism for you know, the strip, you don't have to go to the strip, by the way, if you live in Vegas, you can just stay away from the strip and you're pretty good. But there still is a lot of drugs, a lot of prostitution, and just a lot of general fitna. So, and but mainly, the biggest thing was um, division. I just felt like the Muslims weren't united. And then I came to a community where the where the Muslim community was way more united. Um, so, yes, I certainly am glad that I made that move. And I would certainly advise anybody to take their family uh, to what wherever they think is optimal. I don't think you have this idea of like, no, I'm beholden to my city, like I have this responsibility to my city. I think your responsibility goes to your family and to your deen. And so you can be part of the ummah in the Muslim world. You can be part of the ummah in the Western world. I would say as long as you're part of a community that you feel that, you know, is actually supporting you, your kids are being, have good friends, hopefully a good school. Uh, You know, the masjid is teaching things that actually help you improve as a Muslim. These are my broad general pieces of advice. Or if you feel that you're in an area that's kind of empty, but man, there's a lot of potential, and I feel like I can convert people and build this place and make it something. If you if you have that strength, then may Allah reward you. You're gonna plant a seed, and inshallah it will grow. Um but yeah, if you feel that the environment is detrimental to yourself and to your family, then I think you have to get up, right? I mean, what it would be kind of crazy to say, no, I'm so dedicated to my city that even if my kids, you know, their Islam goes straight down, I'm staying, I'm holding on. Why? What is this idea? that you have some yeah. sort of obsession with your city. Why? You can get up and move. I, I, I don't, I'm not aware of anything that says you have to stick to one city. In Islam, the Prophet ﷺ loved Mecca, and he, and he cried, and he was sad and heartbroken that he had to leave his his the city that he grew up in. But subhanAllah, at the end of the day, Medina, fantastic, best place on earth, pretty much. I mean... I mean, Mecca, Medina, and uh, Al-Aqsa, these are the three top ones. So anyway, all to say that, no, I'm not aware of anything like I'm dedicated to my city in the sense of at the detriment of my
0: family. Family comes first, I would say. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's the priority, right? You focus on the the nuclear, and then you kind of grow outwards the other way around. Yeah. So whether it's big or small,
1: whether it's in the Muslim world or in the non-Muslim world, uh, I still think you can find options. I definitely think you can find options. You can, you can go to some small town where they have a small Muslim community that you guys really like each other. There's an area not too far from here called Muncie. Muncie is like a, not an hour from here, roughly, right? I went there, I gave a talk there. They have a small community, but they have a tight community. They have a loving community. It's beautiful. So, Qadas, it works. Uh, and then us, we have a bit bigger of a community. And then, you know, you go to Dallas. That's one of the top ones in terms of, in, uh, in the U.S., Dallas has like a huge Muslim community and they're just growing all the time and they have huge massages. They got big scholars, big names, and big programs and stuff. You can go there if you want to. And Montreal has got a gigantic Muslim community, uh, but you guys also have issues. I don't know. Uh, it's it's a bit of a mixed bag. I don't know. I don't. I don't,
0: I don't know, know if you guys want to get into it. Comes down to a lot of division, for sure. Like that is definitely a trend that you know. It's not. It's not like a common goal or common. Unfortunately, to your point, like that is a big obstacle to moving forward. A lot of the times.
2: Nice. I know you're. You're. Uh, I want to switch gears, but nice. I know you're. You're passionate about this topic. I wanted to hear more about your thoughts. So please elaborate. But when it comes to having. Uh, children, uh, your thoughts on quality versus quantity? If there is such even a
1: um, uh, like a clash, or do you think no? I can't comment. I I, I don't really. I'm sorry. I'm, my, I'm sorry. If I give up a bunch of non-answers. <laughs> but no. But I I, I don't really. Uh, I uh, I would say that. Um. I believe in I believe in uh, big families. I definitely believe in big families. I gave a whole talk yeah. about this. About um, how not only it's not only in Islam, uh, even in the Bible, uh, right? You know, we we believe that these books were originally from Allah subhanahu wa taala, and maybe there's some things that are still true in it, right? So be fruitful and multiply. It's a very well known thing, and uh, and I gave a whole talk about how the Christian community has, you know, embraced and some 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 groups have embraced like homosexuality and things like this and, and, and yeah. trends and stuff, and so their their numbers are gonna are gonna dwindle. Why? Because they don't make children, obviously. Um, so uh they're gonna suffer and um and, but this is you know and then of course that translates to the same thing that we believe as muslims the Prophet says the problem says uh مكاثر مكاثر something close to that very uh, i believe it's in it's a sahih hadith from uh in abu dawud if i'm not mistaken and maybe other books as well i think i said it pretty close to right but i might have made a mistake but anyway the problem says that um uh, marry a woman that is um, fertile and loving because I'm going to compete through you with the other nations. In other words, I want you to have big numbers. This is something, uh, uh, so it's a command from the Prophet And obviously, you know, Zakaria made dua for children, Ibrahim and made dua for children um, uh, when uh, Ayub a.s. went through his test. Allah says, and I blessed you from a mercy from me, a specific Mercy from Allah that you had your your family back and double. Uh, it was So basically, he was told that whatever family you had, you got your family back and you doubled it, right? So uh, clearly, we don't see family as like a burden. It's a gift. Uh, it's a gift from Allah subhanahu wa taala. We should treat every child as a gift. Uh, we should look at you know. Of course, there's challenges, no, no doubt. And obviously, if, you, if, you, if, you, if in a, you're in a household that's, like, falling apart because you have too many kids, maybe, yeah, maybe you should, you know, take a break or something, right? I'm not, like, saying, like, have more children no matter what. Even if it's, like, going to medically harm the wife, just go for it. I'm not saying that, okay? But I am saying that in general, broadly speaking, if you have a righteous man, a righteous woman, and you have, you know, you're financially stable, and you have a home that has space, and you know, yes, yes, absolutely. Islam encourages family. Uh, I know some people get offended by that. I got a letter after that khutbah. One sister was very upset saying, How dare you tell me I didn't have enough kids? I did the best I could. And you know, she said, I had three kids and you're telling me it wasn't enough. I was like, i never put a number on it. <laughs> I never, That's not the point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I never told you that three was a wrong number. I never said that. I simply said Islam encourages family. So there was a that it's was a, a mindset. Awkward. Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And uh I mean we know that uh they're killing our kids, subhanAllah. Uh they're literally we see images, I like, yeah, see images of it, and sometimes it's, uh, it breaks your whole day, man. It breaks your mind to see these images of dead kids after dead kids after dead. so many yes, dead absolutely. children. It's like, okay, you want to kill our kids? Well, inshallah, we are not sick. We're not aiming to kill anybody's children because we're not insane. Uh, thank God. Uh, we are simply aiming to have more families and to have righteous families, blessed families, inshallah. That's how to protect us all. Um, I mean, yeah. but, but, uh, but I do think that there is a certain point where the kids raise each other. You learn from each other. So this idea of like like uh, like my oldest is helping out the younger ones. Alhamdulillah, you know when he when he goes over Quran, they listen, and then it's easier for them to memorize those surahs because they've heard it so many times, right? They've heard him just reciting in the house so many times those surahs practicing, and then the other ones uh, makes it easier for them. So there's this there's this uh, you know this idea of like oh but will the wife have enough time? Well, first of all, uh, first of all, I hope inshallah you you try to get her some help if you if you know babysitters or moms in the picture, or whatever the case is. That's always helpful. But in addition to that, as the older ones get older, as the oldest one gets older, they're able to help more with the younger ones and they teach them more and benefit them more. And sibling, like when you have that many interactions, like you have a relationship with your dad and your mom and your brother and other brother and other sister and other sister, et cetera, right? When you have that many relationships, you're learning from each one. You're becoming so much better educated. There's a book about this stuff. I I went through a book on Audible, it was a very good book. I plan to give a book about the benefits of siblings. And how much having a big family, how much you learn from your brothers and sisters, because you're having exponentially more interactions and and, and the learning about the do's and the don'ts with each interaction with more family members. Whereas when, with a smaller family, especially the kid, that is, let's say, a single child, only dealing with parents. He doesn't deal with somebody unreasonable. He doesn't deal with somebody who's emotional. He doesn't deal with children, right, who are unfair often, right? He only deals with mom and dad who are extra, extra, extra loving. So he has, he's just less experienced in life. And he goes into the you know adulthood and into the real world with this completely false expectation and without having as many experiments of finding out what works and what doesn't. Well, you know, uh, h- how to deal with a fight, how to deal with sharing, how to deal with all these different things. So anyway, I, I do, I'm do. i a big believer that you learn a lot from your big families. Uh, you learn from everybody's mistakes, from everybody's victories, from everybody's successes. You learn from everything. And so, yes, Islam encourages big families. I encourage big families. May Allah bless all of us. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. yeah.
0: I hope that answered your question. I don't know if it did. Kind of. (laughs) Good (laughs) enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I got from this is like, it's a mindset first and foremost, right? The idea is that like, for sure, having many kids is uh, recommended. It's definitely, if you can, you know, it's, it's the, the sunnah. Yeah. Let's, let's put it that way. However, quality is still something that's going to be important because you do want to raise good children. You do want to raise children that will benefit you and your Akhirah and not like be a, against you on the day of judgment and in the scales of, of things right so i think it's that balance for sure that's that's i guess the the main point that you were driving though.
2: to be honest the two things you mentioned was good mom and good environment like islamic school and that like pretty much if you have those two things um, established there's no reason why there should be a limit on quantity from please from what I'm getting from your, uh, from your take. That's the way I feel about it.
1: I mean, uh, obviously look, I'm not trying to discount the role of a father. The father has to have hours at home. The Dad has to be able to joke around with the kids, play with the kids. It'd be a good example. The kid yeah. needs to see you holding a book. Don't let him only see you holding a phone. Okay? Let him see you. Let him hear you reciting Quran. And then he says, oh, that's what it means to be a man. It means that I have to go over a surah too. Dad's going over a surah. This is, you know, how did your kids become a father the Quran? Well, because I was doing my hymns and they followed along with me. No, no, no. I'm gonna send him to the Hibs class and I'll never touch the most half once. You know what that tells the kid? Oh, this is something that all oh, this is for babies. This is not for adults. Adults deal with real things. Adults deal with money. That's what real adults do. I wanna be like that. I wanna deal with money. I don't wanna I, I wanna be past all the kiddie stuff. You get my point? This this message is taught unfortunately way too often to kids that you do a Quran when you're a kid because that's the kiddie stuff, and then when you get older, you never touch the Quran again. Right? So, look, I'm not trying to discount the reality of, of dad's role. Dad has to be a role model. Dad has to be practicing in his deen. He has to be a good man. He has to try to chill out and not lose his temper too much. He can't hold grudges and be petty. Uh, he has to honor his wife. He's got to be there's a million things to be a good, I mean, you know, right? The best of you are the best to your uh, families. And sometimes it can be translated also as as your wives, right? So you got to be good. You have to be a good Muslim, you have to be a good role model, bring them to the masjid and, and show them that you, you're you very particular about your salawat. that you're very particular about your dean, uh, that, you, have, that you, you spend time with good people, and even what you're concerned about. That's another big thing that I think a lot of kids, they absorb big time. When you are having conversations with your friends, let's say, Noel comes over to your house and you guys are sitting around having some tea, eating some uh, cake or whatever the case is, right? You're just having a nice, t- nice time, right? Kids are running around, you think they're not paying attention, but they catch everything, subhanAllah, Right? Now, if you guys are talking about, all right, all right, all right. So how much more do we need for the expansion project of the masjid, right? We need this expansion project because we need more space because of this reason. You know during Ramadan, we don't have space. So the kid hears you talking about masjid, Ramadan, money, leadership, community. These are your focuses in life, right? If all they hear you talk about is, oh, I don't know, the blues versus the reds for some football team. I don't even know who was playing this stupid, uh, what's it called, uh, is that thing called? <laughs> Super Bowl? Super Bowl, <laughs> that's the one. I, mean, I, didn't forget, I forgot the word. I swear I, swear I couldn't remember the word. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, the Super Bowl, right? I don't know. Mashallah, there's people running around. Great. Personally, I mean, that's nice. I, I'm not I'm not like anti-watching sports, but man, some of these guys. You know, some guy was explaining to me a fantasy football league. I was like, so, yeah. what? <laughs> but the good thing was he was like, look, it doesn't take that much of my time. It's just a really small thing. I was like, okay, that's cool, I guess. Because like, he was kind of embarrassed. I was like, so you just, you fake pick people and then you see
0: if your fake team won? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, "You're You get deep into anything these days. Entertainment is in all sorts of, you yeah." Know, it's crazy. So, but anyway, all I'm trying to say is that what
1: are your conversations looking like as a dad? You know, when I talk about, like, I got to go to the message, I got to meet this guy, I got to help this person with this. And, you know, I'm, now obviously I'm unique because I'm actual imam, right? But even you guys can still your conversations to a large degree can can be revolving around your great vision, right? Mm -hmm. Because your great vision isn't just to have a car or your great vision isn't to just, you know, I can't wait till I, I don't know, sail on some seas with some fancy yacht or whatever, right? Even though maybe, you know, you go on vacation whenever you want, mashallah, may Allah bless you guys. At the end of the day, your great vision, the great thing that you consider your success is something that's connected with your Islam, right? And therefore, when you talk about that, kids are going to be downloading that. So Mm -hmm. I think that's highly important. But yeah, there's no doubt that uh, dad is going to come second in terms of influence to mom. And also friends are a huge factor. So dad is definitely up there. But uh, mom is number one, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt whatsoever. No, mom has to be, you know, to me, if you if you marry an unrighteous woman and then she is just, I don't know, taking pictures of herself and sending it online and constantly gossiping. And they're like, I don't know what happened to my daughter. Well, I do.
2: <laughs> How old is your oldest son right now? <laughs> Eight. Oh, okay, he's very. Young, mashallah. Um Do you do you like expect that you will play more sports with him as he grows older? Take him to the gym. Like, what's your? I mean, yeah. I don't know, I'm thinking once they're 12, 13, the boy's much more involved with the dad. With some yeah. Of this stuff. So right
1: now, right now, I do take them to soccer, and they are do have swimming lessons as well. Swimming is super crucial. Why is it that Muslims swim less than non-Muslims? And swimming is actually in our Islam. It's in our Deen. There's no ajr for swimming. There's no reward for swimming in in, in like in, in disbelievers' texts. Right, But we have Ta'leem al Sibah, it's a hadith about it. Learn, learns, you know, you know, learning and teaching how to swim. It's absolutely crucial. Anyway, so, um, you anyway, know, I'll just say that um, we should know how to swim, definitely, part of our deen. Uh, we should know firearms. Probably, there's a hadith, uh, uh, the hadith that says that it, it's, a, it's a very, you get the reward of dhikrullah even if you're not making dhikr, it's still something considered worship. To just shoot between the two um, uh, targets. In other words, they would shoot on one side with the arrows, and then go to that target, pick them up, then shoot them to the other one. They go back and forth and doing target practice. Nowadays, I say, and Allah knows best. But you know, firearms. I don't know if you guys can. You guys, do you guys have concealed carry? You guys, are you guys allowed that in Canada or no?
0: There is, there is, but not not to this degree. Not to the degree, of course, in the states. Not, not like that. Yeah. So anyway, in
1: the U.S., uh, I encourage all the uh, men uh, legally, of course to get the license and, and and to conceal and carry. And we know that there's been attacks. Uh, I was in a message, I, I won't say which city because I don't want to embarrass them. But I, remember I, was, I was bugging the amount. I went I went to a certain city and I was a guest speaker there. And uh, and he was like, yeah, we actually had uh, a pipe bomb thrown into our message. And I was like, so what's your security like? He's like, oh no, we don't carry. I'm like, so wait a second, wait a second. Let me, let me get this straight. They actually tried to kill you with an explosive. Yeah, but you don't carry a gun. No, is it legal? Yes. I'm like, bro, what's happening? <laughs> so anyway, uh, so uh, that was that was pretty funny. But yes, uh, I, I encourage. I have no, We have a lot of shooting ranges. We we take people. We go there. We we target practice. It's important to know how to shoot. It's important to know how to fight. It's important um, uh, to have these basic things in place. Um, what were we talking about a second have, ago? Sorry. Ha-
0: have you gone hunting, uh, Nasser? No, I have
1: not have I gone been... hunting. No, I have not. Actually, I hope to. I've been invited. And then we kind of missed our schedules, unfortunately. But I have been invited by a good brother. He's asked me a number of times. And I have to go. My are talking too- swimming, swimming. So- your kids,
2: uh, your boys. Uh, oh, yes, yes,
1: yes. I was talking about swimming. And uh, oh, yeah, you're talking about, oh, uh, yeah, at what age. I have told my boys that I want to get them involved in martial arts with me when they're old enough not to hurt each other. Because if they're too young and too immature, they won't know how to apply certain moves. So, um, or they'll pull too hard. Or, you know what I mean? I don't want, I don't want that to happen. But I have told them and I told other brothers as well who have kids around the same age. I said, when they get a little bit older, let's make it fathers and sons as well. I think it'll be fantastic. I can't wait for my kids to learn uh, shooting, swimming. Well, they're already learning swimming. They're playing soccer as well, which is great. But um, I want them to be tough, inshallah. I want them to know their hips. So, yeah, I, I want to spend more time with them. We do we do play around, just like, you know, horsing around type of stuff, you know, just uh, play fighting and stuff. But uh, I do look forward to the day that I can like go for a run with them. I don't, I can't do that. You know, too young now to just go on the street and like run for like a long amount of time. I'll do that by myself, but I won't do it with them. Hopefully, soon enough, inshallah. show
0: them. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, we're Shoot. gonna end it here. Madaklofik, uh, Nasa for coming out. Really, really appreciated uh, the conversation. I really, really hope we get to do more of this. Sure. I know we only touched on like a few topics here. and There's way more that we can talk about for sure. So, uh, uh, but uh, honestly, thanks for making the time. Barak fiqh, inshallah, be Lord, we'll do this again. Uh, for the audience, anything that you want to, uh, first off, any parting messages? And I know we have your link, true. We're going to share it here on the screen here uh, momentarily. Yeah. But anything that you want to just leave us off with?
1: Yeah, take a look at my, uh, you know, what I try to do is I try to go on uh, YouTube and build up um, different playlists. And I really think that for anybody who wants to improve their dean. Whether you want to really get solid in, okay, why do I believe in God? There's like I said, atheism. Do I want to get down to the Christians? There's a whole playlist for that. Do I want to just become a better Muslim and learn the basics of my Islam? I have a explanation of and nawi, which is the forty hadith that are sort of the foundational to one's Islam. If you want to become more spiritual and strong and your connection to with Allah Taala, I have done a, a lengthy series and, and recently completed it. It's not all uploaded yet, but soon to be finished uploading of the name, or the names of Allah, all all the names of Allah that are authentic in Quran and Sunnah. That I'm sorry, I should say in Quran and in authentic Sunnah. I went through that i went through a, a, a whole encyclopedia of the names of allah and translated that and, and and gave lectures on that so something that you can really enhance your dua um and what i think is my perhaps my favorite is tafsir. see uh, uh you know from Surah al Nas. we just finished al naba so we did just the whole last juz'a of the quran finished it took about three years maybe more a little bit more than three years to finish and that's 20 pages of quran so imagine going into that much detail of well, uh, just 20 pages of Quran takes you three years uh, plus to do it. It's because I tried to, you know, obviously uh, do it justice and, and study the tafsir in depth and really bring out a lot of the meanings. And these are the surahs that most people have memorized and say in Salah. So now you can learn the meanings and actually have an impact in your prayer, inshallah. So these are the type of playlists I try to leave for anybody who's actually serious about saying, I want to get more connected to Quran. I want to make my du'a more enhanced. I want to learn the basics of my Islam. I want to know how to give da'wah, and so on and so forth. Oh, I also have a playlist on gender issues. So anybody who's like dealing with like, you know, oh, what about um, marriage? And I don't know, you know, all this stuff that we're talking about. There's a whole playlist called gender issues. I think there's maybe like 10, 15, I don't know, uh, uh, lectures on that. So I try to deal with, you know, LGBTQ and feminism and marriage crisis and all these different things. So, yeah, take a look at all that. Um, You can follow me on also the smaller stuff uh, like TikTok and Instagram. That's good. But in general, those are like short clips that are supposed to be like advertisements moving you to longer stuff. That's kind of the goal. So whatever you guys want.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Awesome. So here's the link tree in case anyone is interested. Uh, it's Dr. Dot Nasir K. Um, So just take a look. He's got his links all over here from Spotify to his podcast, everything else basically. Um, any uh, last words before we leave off aside from that? JazakAllah Thank you guys so much. And I awesome. hope to see you guys soon, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. Hopefully in person, inshallah. All right, you. All right, guys. Take care, and we'll uh, catch you guys next time.